0: Welcome to the Chapter 49 Podcast. It is October 8th, 2021. We welcome you all here. Uh, Chapter 49 represents IRS employees in the state of Indiana, at least most of them. And we uh, certainly hope that you are having a good week. We're recording this on a Friday. I'd like to welcome our chapter president, Duncan Giles, back into our podcast. And uh, welcome once again, Duncan, uh, here in central Indiana, we are we're going to have an early October weekend with temperatures in the 80s. Think about that. Yeah,
1: yeah it's going to be rough. Another weekend in shorts. I hate it.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's just uh, very, very different. I guess some of the college football games that will be played this weekend in this part of the state uh, is going to be way different than most Octobers. But uh, again, no complaints there. We do have a lot to talk about today. In fact, our podcast... You think? You
1: think? I think.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to warn you once again, um, we try to keep our podcast at 30 minutes to respect everybody's time, but we have so much to discuss, we may go a little over 30 minutes. So I just want to always like to prepare people at the very beginning of our podcast when that is about to happen. Well, the latest news that has come up on the date that we record this is that late In the late night before, which would have been October 7th, in the late evening, the Senate finally decided to vote to raise the debt limit, but only temporarily uh, until early December. Now, our government funding, our continuing resolution expires in early December, so both of them are going to be coming up at about the same time. So are we looking at a train wreck or will our elected officials in this case actually come together and uh, reach an agreement? What are your thoughts?
1: Elected officials coming together. Boy, there's an oxymoron for our time anymore. Uh, It's a shame about that. It's it's just. uh, Yeah, you would hope that calmer heads would prevail, that we would get at the very least, an omnibus bill where they throw everything together so we can have um, a budget, an increased budget. You would hope that everybody would realize that you can't have a debt ceiling default so that that has to be raised. And again, when somebody talks about, well, we're not going to do that because we don't want to incur more debt, when they. Raising of the debt ceiling, as we've talked about before, is simply paying for what the government's already spent is, uh, you know, a bit disingenuous at best. So I, you know, will will it happen? Will both of these things happen? I do believe they will. Will it be painless? That's going to be the question. Will we be looking at, you know, a possible shutdown in, you know, early to mid-December? I would I would hope to God not but you you never know. Um, But I I can't imagine them not ultimately passing a higher debt ceiling.
0: And I will note that uh, NTEU keeps everyone abreast of this. Uh, I have to give uh, the National Union a great deal of credit. If you've signed up your email address with the National Union, and if you haven't and you're a member, it's very easy. Go to nteu.com dot org and you can do that any questions or run into any problems talk to anybody at chapter 49 and we'll get you through that but uh i i think that the main thing that you need to keep in mind is number one if you're a member you're getting these email uh, updates last night the national union immediately sent out an email about the dead limit which was very important and also if you uh subscribed uh, like or uh follow our nteu chapter 49 indiana facebook page we try to keep you up to date there as well so uh, there are various ways nteu works hard to keep you in the loop when these last minute debt limit and shutdown votes happen so uh, we will continue to do that and uh, just just keep that in mind one thing
1: i would like to add larry is you know it's very easy uh, through the NTU website to contact your representative or your senator to let your voice be heard and let them know, you know, don't default on the, you know, the debt limit. Don't, you know, let's pass our budget. You know, your voice does get heard. They do take a listen and look at these types of things when they come in. And NTU.org is, makes it extremely easy to uh, to contact those members of Congress. So I would urge everyone to do that.
0: And just as we like to remind you each time, we we welcome and and encourage you to contact your elected representatives in Washington via email or. You can also uh, compose a letter to be printed out, either a form letter assigned by you, or you can compose your own or change the one on there. But always do it on your own time, on your own computer equipment software, <laughs> yeah. please. Uh, yeah. Follow the rules. Don't do it while you're working. Even if you're working at home, don't during do not do it during business hours. And make sure you use your own computer equipment, not, a let's say, a government laptop to do that. Absolutely. So now that we've talked about that, we will keep you apprised of all the developments there. We I think the bulk of our podcast will be about the vaccination mandate. Uh, information continues to come out. Guidance continues to come out. But there's one thing I, I would hope all IRS employees uh, consider here. And NTEU as an organization respects everyone's views. And you have the right to have your own views about vaccinations. But it's also important to know that there are consequences to some of these uh, views that you might have and how you choose to act on it. There's been some information that has been passed along uh, to you, Duncan, and, and to other chapter leaders about what's happening in the private sector. A lot of people are concerned about, well, you know, I've there's a lot of jobs out there, a lot of jobs out there. If I leave my government service job, I can find a job somewhere where vaccination is not required. However, Duncan, we're starting to see information that is telling us that employers in a very large scale in the private sector are putting in the same sorts of vaccination requirements the government is. What do we know about that?
1: Yeah, um, first off I want to echo exactly what you said. We respect everybody's opinion on the vaccination. I understand that there are some very strong feelings on people for various reasons who do not want to get vaccinated. I I get that. I I respect it. I understand it. But You know, there is a mandate out there. And like you said, more and more organizations, whether it be state, county, city, and so many private organizations are starting to go to these mandates, as well as from the vaccination order, any organization that has more than 100 employees is going to be looking at doing it because of the executive orders, or they're going to face uh, problems with OSHA and possible fines. So they're they're going to be looking at doing that as well. So like I said, I understand where people are saying, you know, I don't want to get vaccinated. Got that. Understand it. But there are consequences to every action and there could be some severe consequences if you decide that, you know, you want to stay with the IRS or if you want to say, okay, I'm going to take a principled stand and I'm going to leave the IRS and go work somewhere else. I don't want to see people lose however many years they have here and go from the frying pan into the fire. Because of, you know, you may jump somewhere else and in a month they may have a vaccination mandate. And then you're like, I was better off where I was. So I understand that as well. I We just want to make people to understand that any action that they take or don't take uh, could have consequences.
0: So consider those consequences when you make these decisions. And yes, uh, uh, there are going to be consequences for most people who choose not to take the vaccine. Again, it's a principle stand for many, but you know, there are consequences sometimes for taking that print what you may think is a very principled stand. And there are different opinions within our union membership, and and we do understand that. But I want to discuss now some of the information coming out about reasonable accommodations, because you, hey, you have been inundated with questions and, and comments about reasonable accommodations. We have talked to Jim Bailey about this a few weeks ago. He gave us a great dissertation on that. There are two basic types. There's the medical and then the sincerely held religious belief. There are two different ways you can request a reasonable accommodation. And the Safer Workforce Group in the White House continues to send information out, guidance out. It's kind of coming out a little bit at a time. If you take it as a whole and everything that we are seeing here, I guess the question I would ask you, if you take a look, and you can get into a lot of details. We're not going to do that in this podcast. We want to make sure this is designed for the largest possible audience. (laughs) So with that in mind, uh, in a general sense, if if you are an IRS employee and you feel that you are going to receive a reasonable accommodation because of your views about the vaccine, um I guess I just have to ask you bluntly after reviewing all the information that uh, you have received particularly in the last few days what are the the uh, what are the chances of someone prevailing and receiving a reasonable accommodation that one would accept
1: Uh not very not very high Um you know first off you have the medical exemption and that's going to require getting documentation from your physician um, on exactly why you cannot get vaccinated and you're going to need specificity. And we hear from people, well, you know, that's an invasion of my privacy to ask about my medical conditions and things of that nature. Not if you're the one asking for the accommodation. That's what it all hinges on. If you're asking for an accommodation due to a medical condition, that medical condition a has to be documented and if the agency so chooses they can have their uh, medical representatives which won't be somebody from labor relations it'll be federal occupational health or whoever else the irs decides to contract with about this asking you know pertinent questions so your doctor may be questioned on exactly why they say that you can't be vaccinated and it's only, for, it's only going to be, from what we've seen, for a very, very small, limited amount of uh, conditions. And those are listed in the uh, FAQs on the NTU website.
0: And those FAQs are available to any member. So if you have your account set up with nteu.org, uh, all those FAQs that NTU has put together, and I think uh, NTU has done a very good job of putting that together in a, in a way that it's, it's you can easily sort of understand what we know. I mean, uh, the Safer Workforce, for example, uh, they have examples and, and questions and answers, but NTU I think has done a good job of putting it together in the most understandable form as, as to what you can expect. And I think one of the big um, issues that will be coming up with these medical requests for reasonable accommodation will be um how should i put this reactions to the uh, inoculation in other words you get the vaccine and there's some kind of of reaction to that and and i think here's the problem there and if, if that is if you're saying that's the case you need to have your physician verify that whatever reaction you have is in fact tied to the vaccine And that's not always going to be an easy thing to do.
1: No, it's not. And plus the fact you're going to have, you know, and there are, when we talk about reactions to the vaccine, there are normal reactions to the vaccine just due to your antibodies kicking up. So, you know, if you have a sore arm, if you're, you know, get a slight chill, you know, sometimes you may get ill for a day. Those are normal reactions to the vaccine. Basically, that's your body starting, you know, getting this vaccine and saying, hey, we need to kick kick up our immune system. And that's what it's doing. It's kickstarting your immune system to protect you. So those are normal reactions. What we're talking about here to get a medical exemption is something that's over and above. If you've had one shot out of the two for either Pfizer or Moderna, let's say, and you've had a reaction to that that's way outside the norm, then your doctor's going to have to document that, exactly why it's different than a normal type reaction might be, what is causing it, and why you couldn't uh, get a second shot. And again, if that you get a signed statement from your doctor with that, I would think that that would be a pretty good indication that you are going to be able to uh, prevail on getting a medical exemption. If if it's documented, it may be delayed. You know, they may say, well, we want to delay it for a couple more weeks to make sure that everything's okay. There may be, you know, it may be a delay or it may be saying because of these specific conditions that has happened, some sort of allergic reaction, uh, you know, autoimmune system problems, things of that nature, then that's one thing. But if it's a sore arm, if it's, you know, I'm feeling nauseous the day after, you know, that's why there's two days of recovery time that are an administrative time after the shot to recover from that, because it's expected. Everybody's body reacts differently, but that's going to be extremely limited. And they are going to be few and far physicians, uh, you know, that's not going to be very common for them to want to be that specific and document that with a signed statement that they know they could be questioned on.
0: Let me go to the sincerely held religious belief, which is another um, section of, of requests for reasonable accommodations. Again, I don't want to get into a massive amount of detail, but I did take a look at the safer workforce guidance and they have a whole list of questions and issues that you would have to address. If in fact you are going to request a, uh, uh, a reasonable accommodation because of sincerely held religious beliefs. I mean, they're going to ask you about how long you've had this uh, religious affiliation, How long they've had this uh, this this particular sect has had an objection to vaccination. They're going to ask you about every other vaccination you've ever had. Uh, I'm, that's just a, a, a that's just a beginning, a start of all the questions you're going to have to answer. So I think this goes into the fact that we're not saying you will be denied that. We are saying it will simply be uh, a, a difficult hill to climb to be able to say that I haven't sincerely held religious beliefs. So I, the reason I say that is I don't think people can say that I'll just have a, a, mess, you know, a little letter written by my local minister and that'll take care of it. It's going to be much more involved than that as, as I see it. Do you see it the same way?
1: I, I do see it the same way. And again – Sincerely held religious belief is different than if you have a political objection to this, or if you think based on, you know, your Google searches, because I don't call it research. It's a Google search. You're Google searching. If you want to call it research, then you are, you know, getting your four year degree in it. You're getting your master's, you're getting your PhD, you're doing studies in it, and it's being peer reviewed. That's research. Google if you're doing a Google search and saying I don't feel comfortable with this okay I I understand that but that's not a sincerely held religious belief the religious belief is going to be you know something that you've had for a long time that you don't believe in vaccinations at all medical help things of that nature and you're going to be questioned on it and even if even if you do get an approved accommodation We need to keep in mind that it's a reasonable accommodation for the government. So what you may want as an accommodation or request as an accommodation may not be what you get, even if it is approved. And that's something that folks have to understand as well.
0: One more aspect of the reasonable accommodation issue. If one is denied a reasonable accommodation or provided an accommodation they don't feel is acceptable... Of course, you can't appeal that. There have always been two different uh, ways that could be done. You could use the union contract and go through the grievance procedure, or you could go with EEO, the uh, EEO process. I think it may have a different name now, but it was it's essentially the EEO process. Um, I'm just curious where you would uh, come down on this if, in fact, somebody wants to appeal their reasonable accommodation, either because of a denial or what they feel is an unacceptable accommodation.
1: Yeah, you can do, as you point out, you can do either one. The difference between the two is you're going to have, a person's going to have more control in the EEO process. They can hire their own attorney. They can work with uh, EEO where if you come to NTU and say, hey, I want you guys to do this, we're going to be the ones that are going to be controlling this. We're going to be the ones that are saying, "Okay, is there a legal appeal here? Is there something that we can base this on that we're going to be able to make a uh, reasonable reply at? Um, you know, if this is denied, is it going to be taken to arbitration? So this is all going to be in NTU's control. So for people who um, you know want to be in control, so to speak. You know, EEO may be a better match for them. And it's it's not that NTU doesn't want to help or won't help. That is not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that we go by what's in the law. People have said, you know, why, why isn't NTU fighting this executive order? Well, because there's nothing in our agreement or in any of the statute that conflicts with uh, the executive order doesn't conflict with anything. They're allowed to do this due to public safety. You know, if it was wrong, we'd be fighting it. If we had legal grounds, we'd be fighting it. And the same thing is going to go for accommodations, especially when it's a, you know, if somebody has a medical accommodation and it's very clear that they do have a medical condition that prevents them from being vaccinated, that the doctor has laid out very clearly exactly why it's the specific vaccination is they can't do it. Um, then yeah. Yeah. We'll have grounds there, but otherwise it's going to be very tough for us to have a legal ground to prevail on. And that's something that we're always looking at is how can we prevail legally?
0: Well, let me ask one other question regarding all this. Let us say that you apply for a reasonable accommodation. It's either denied or the accommodation is not acceptable. Uh, in the past, when people have been presented with issues like this, uh, following an EEO uh, I- issue or going through the NTEU grievance procedure has normally been a way of just putting things off, holding things as they are for a period of time. You might have weeks, even months in some situations where you could just delay the impact. And, Duncan, what, I'm, what I've am what i heard you say and what you're hearing through your uh, sources that you have that so this is going to be different, that the management who normally takes its time dealing with these will be very quick with their responses. So the uh, strategy of just trying to appeal in one way or the other to delay the consequences may not be a strategy that will work this time.
1: It, From everything I'm seeing, reading, and hearing from, it will not be. Um, management is looking to Uh, One of the things that we are very concerned about NTU, both locally and nationally, is disparate treatment. We want to make sure everybody is treated equally and the same. And so I think that most of these decisions are going to be made at a very high level. So there is consistency and they are going to be looking at putting them out pretty quickly from here's my understanding on timelines that. You know, as of December the, or November the 9th, excuse me, as of November the 9th, which is the last, you know, the day after the last day you can get the Johnson & Johnson and still meet that two-week requirement to be fully vaccinated, they will start the process. And when I say start the process, from what I'm hearing, and it could change, absolutely it could change, but what I'm hearing is, is they're looking at doing something like a counseling or a reprimand they'll give you 5 days. If you haven't done if you haven't gotten your sh- shot either the Johnson and Johnson or your first shot of Pfizer or Moderna within that 5 days, they're going to roll out their next one. The and that's going to be a suspension, could be a 2 week suspension. And people are saying, "Well, you know, I can just go ahead and we want to do a reply and and hold that up or I got a reasonable accommodation in and I want to wait on that." The reasonable accommodations, from my understanding, are going to be turned around very quickly. Um, They're going to have a set sort of circumstances. They're going to be taking a look at these. It's very narrow exceptions. So it's going to be quick turnarounds. And that's just, again, going to keep this process sped up. And once you've been denied for an accommodation, even even if we're appealing it, whether it's NTU or EEO, they can still go ahead with the progressive discipline process if you've been denied that um, that one. So, you know, a lot of these things may take place because after that two-week suspension, if you have not gotten that first shot, then they are going to be moving towards termination. People are saying, well, they're not going to terminate because we're so shorthanded and all that. That's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing they do not want to terminate people, but they absolutely will based on the guidance that they've gotten from the white house, from the safer workforce, um, you know, that this is, this is coming down. So this is, unfortunately, it's not something to play with. And I want people to be very careful and understand the possible consequences, right. You know, as of a few days ago, uh, based on information numbers that I've seen out of the total IRS employees, we know that 72 over 72% have had are fully vaccinated over a little over 72% of all IRS employees, a little over uh, almost 4% have had at least one shot so far. And that's worst case number scenario. The numbers could be higher than that because for those that didn't disclose, um, I am saying that those people have not had any vaccination. So the numbers could be higher. But right now, over three quarters of the IRS employees from the commissioner on down have been, had at least one vaccination. So the vast majority of employees, folks, are being vaccinated. And I understand it's a personal choice if you don't want to, but we just want to lay out these consequences for those of you that are saying I'm not vaccinated. I'm not, I don't want to be vaccinated, and this is what could potentially happen, and I fear will happen if you do, if you do follow through and and you know continue to take the stand that you do not want to be vaccinated. The other part of this that I do want to you know some people they say well I'll take the two week suspension because I want to you know make a stand on this. Your awards could be impacted. Because of the fact that the awards, you have to go through a misconduct check. And if you've got a two-week suspension sitting on there, I can guarantee you, you're not going to be getting an award the following year, even if you qualify for one because of this. So that could be because the awards now in the new contract have gone up to 2% of the total salaries, which is a big, big number you know, that could be impacting you financially as well. So I just want everybody to have all the information to make the best decision that they can for themselves and their families.
0: So just to remind people what you just said, that uh, we are recording this and posting this on October the 8th. In a bottom month from now, November 9th, if you have not uh, been vaccinated, the discipline process can start then. Am I understanding this correctly?
1: That is correct. Okay.
0: So people need to know this, the old delaying tactics of the uh, grievance procedure or sometimes the EEO process. Don't count on that helping you. The management is committed to move this quickly. They normally don't move quickly on these. They are, they, as the management are, are very clear that they are going to move quickly in this case. So I just wanted everybody to be clear on that. I think, uh, we all need to know what we're facing as we look at this vaccination mandate.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's and this is not your first line manager, your second line man. This is upper level, the highest levels of uh, management, and even outside the IRS, this is Treasury, this is OMB. This is going to be consistent across the um, executive branch. So you know, don't count on. Hey, you know, I've got a close personal relationship with my front line or second line manager and they won't do anything to me. They're not going to have a choice.
0: Yeah, that's exactly correct. This is going to be a very high level decision. And there will be a probably a very small group of people and their support staff who will be processing this. It won't even, they may, you may get the paperwork from your manager or the manager's, uh, you know, uh, manager, if you want to look at it that way, but uh, the decisions are being made at a much higher level. So yes, that's a very good point to make. And, All right. Before we leave this issue of vaccinations, uh, we have a lot more detail now than we had before. We still don't know everything about the implementation. We're still working on that. Any final comments on the vaccination mandate before we move on to a couple of other issues on this podcast?
1: Yeah, there will be, um, there will be specific forms to fill out. We have not seen those yet. Um, we're anticipating for accommodations. We're anticipating those, uh, coming out any day so once we get those out we will you know those are out we'll get the information out on our Facebook page you know I'll send out emails you know NTU National will be sending out information and you know it's very important to again consider all the options pluses and minuses if you are thinking about not being vaccinated. Like I said, I understand it. It is a personal choice for you, your family, got that, understand it. But there could be severe consequences. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands what possibly can happen. NTU will do everything in its power to help you. We will absolutely do that. But due to the fact of these circumstances, that it is a safety issue That is an executive order that applies to the entire executive branch. There are limited things that NTU or any other organization can do. So I just want everybody to be aware of, you know, the possible downsides of not being vaccinated aside from health-wise.
0: Let's move on to something else. Uh, This is a better subject, actually, much better. We always like to try to bring some good uh, subjects up if we have them. And NT has been working a long time on some uh, implementing some laws that have been on the books for a long time. Uh, It has to do with the certain amount of public service that you put in that student loan forgiveness can be enacted if you're in public service for a certain type of job for a certain period of time. And we've seen some important movement on that. So talk about what we know now.
1: Yeah, this is one of those things where, you know, it, it came out when this first was enacted. Oh, it's going to be great if you you know are in public service and and you know have student loans, you'll be able to get them forgiven. Well, it was almost to a ridiculous level on exactly what type of student loan you had to be paying on for ten years, and just a very very narrow um, circumstance that you would be able to qualify and. NTU has been hammering um, every administration about fixing this. And the Biden administration has taken a look at this and the Department of Education has finally said, hey, look, you know, we think a lot more people should be qualifying for this. You know, somebody's using common sense in government, which is always a scary thing. Um, But yeah, we think that they're going to be a lot more um, and IRS employees that are going to be qualifying to have their student loans forgiven. Um, they're going to be going back and taking a look at the denials and, you know, there's a lot of things that you won't even have to do that. They're going to automatically take a look at the department of education is going to be taking a look at as well as any rejected applications from the past. So we think this is a very, very good thing. And we're hoping that this program will finally start working like it was intended to. Yeah.
0: And it's what I've been hearing is that people have run into a bureaucratic brick wall. every time they try to apply for this, even if, if it appears they're eligible. Right. And I think the progress we're seeing is just the, the implementation of the law as it was first intended, as you, as you said, very, very, very well. So, uh keep an eye on this NTE will continue to communicate with you on this and uh mm-hmm. give you a, a more advice if you qualify how you qualify and if you do how you move forward or if you've had a a denial in the past what if anything you need to do let's talk about one other thing before we wrap this up uh there are a number of people in Indiana and I would guess throughout the nation who may listen and watch this podcast uh, lots of people at IRS are, are now considering retirement. We've heard a lot about retirement backlogs that have been related to large numbers of people retiring. I know I retired 10 years ago, and it took a number of months for all the processing to go through, but it wasn't uh, a ridiculous amount. I was, I was fairly well expecting uh, the time it would take to get my, uh, my annuity done uh, to, in, the, in its final form. But what we're seeing now is, in fact, a retirement backlog, but it is not related to a large number of retirements. OPM is having the same problem IRS is having and taking care of its backlog on the workload. Um, So uh, any word of of advice to people who are considering retirement in the near future?
1: If you're looking at retiring any time in the next several months, end of the year or beginning of next year, I would urge you to get your retirement package in and together ASAP. The longer lead time you give them, the better off you're going to be because as you mentioned, it takes a long time to get your correct annuity, your full annuity in the best of circumstances. And we are definitely not in the best of circumstances right now just due to the fact of Not enough people to handle the work. OPM is the same as IRS. You know, the best specialists that work for IRS are great folks. They do very good work, but there aren't enough of them. And so it gets backed up. So the longer lead time you give them, the better off you're going to be. And that's, you know, I want anybody who once is ready to retire and ready to go, able to do so. And I want them to do it with as much money as they can have as soon as they have can. So I want them to, you know, get that paperwork in, go on the GRB site, get your stuff together. If you're going to retire in the next several months, do it now. If you think that you're going to, Um, you know, if you want to pull it back and change your mind, you have that option, but you know, the, the more time you give them, the better off you're going to be.
0: Well, and I think the main thing that people need to be aware of and this is something I knew when I retired is that you need a financial plan because you're you're going to have a much lower in, uh, monthly annuity for several months until it is finalized and you'll get a back you'll get a back check for the amount that you should have had for those the full, what would have been the full annuity for those months you were lowered but it's going to be a very low um estimate of what you are allowed and then once everything is finalized, everything goes to where it should be. So the bottom line is you just need to, to plan financially for those f- several months between the time you'd retire and the time you are able to get your full annuity. We don't know how long that's going to be, but we do know that OPM is going to do it as quickly as they can, as accurately as they can. But uh, they're dealing with staffing problems uh, just like uh, IRS is. So just, uh, that's very good advice. And with that uh, – your chance to make your final comment before we wrap this up to uh, this particular podcast up for good.
1: Yeah. One of the things I do want to address is I, I've heard from uh, several people. Why isn't NTU helping us when it comes to the vaccine? And I understand the frustration. NTU is there to help you, but it's sort of like, you know, as I've told revenue agents, you know, I it's just like somebody saying, I want to take this deduction and I feel I'm entitled to. Well, that's not what the law says. Well, this is exactly the same thing. That's not what the law says. The law says they are able to do this vaccination mandate. So we are, you know, we are following the law. We are making sure the law is followed correctly, which it is. If there was a way around it, we started looking at this, NTU National started looking at this Uh, Back in the spring when it was, was a gleam in the eye, when we thought there might be a possibility, and they've been studying it for months. So when I hear NTU is not doing anything or it's not helping us, if NTU was not here for IRS employees, starting on November the 9th, people would be fired then, now, no recourse, no replies, You know, NTU is going to make sure that you get your due process. NTU is going to make sure that the rules are followed. NTU is going to bargain over the impact and implementation of how this is done. So don't ever think that NTU is ignoring you, not hearing you, or thinking that they just don't care. We do locally and nationally. But if it's a law, if it's legal, there's so much – there's only so much that we can do, and, you know, we have to all understand that there are limitations.
0: I think if there's, a, let's say, a conduct issue or a, a performance issue and you're facing discipline for that, you know, NTU has a number of, of uh, ways to uh, represent you, make sure that the, the government has looked at all the factors involved, taken into consideration everything – uh, that's a whole different situation than a presidential executive order making a, a vaccine mandatory. I mean, it's uh, it's just not the same kind of representation. And just because we've been able to help people in different types of discipline in the past and, and done so successfully, uh, this is a different uh, legal uh, world that we are operating in. So I I think that's the message I'm hearing you say. Am I getting that correctly?
1: Yeah. There, and there are legal precedents for the president to be able to do this. And that's the, main, that's the main hitch is, you know, people, why can't you stop it? Because there are legal precedents for him to do this where the cases are specifically on point. So, again, I understand folks' frustration. I get that. But you have to understand that we're here to uphold contractual obligations. Code of Federal Regulations, statutory law, and if none are being broken, then what are we supposed to do? We can help you with the impact of this, but ultimately, they have the right to do it.
0: And you just heard Duncan Giles, president of NTEU Chapter 49. This is our weekly podcast. It's mostly weekly. We miss a week every now and then. Uh, We certainly have plenty to talk about in, in recent weeks, and we will continue to follow all these issues we talked about today, particularly the vaccination mandate. Uh, You can find our podcasts, our audio podcasts, on just about any platform. Just search under Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N, and just look for the Chapter 49 podcast. It's one of many podcasts I produce on that list. And if you want to see our video version, go to YouTube and simply subscribe to the Duncan Giles channel, and uh, you will see all of our Chapter 49 podcasts we have available on video there. So in the meantime, we thank you for listening. Please be safe and be kind.